welcome back to Earth Chained, a podcast that aims to educate you on the issues affecting planet Earth. Brought to you on behalf of Earth Chain, a company with a sleek new approach to tackling this unhinged market. Earth Chain allows users to delve into the realm of blockchain technology while simultaneously saving the planet, permitting you fast passage to living that opulent lifestyle that's eluded you for just a little bit too long. This is episode two of the new series. Each week we'll be taking a look at some of the issues faced by our planet, and that's all life therein. And of course, how it contextualizes into the blockchain world. But first, let's take a quick look at EarthChain and what it really is all about. I'm your host, Jacob Sanders, and this is EarthChain. For those returning from last week, you'll know all about EarthChain and the potential our token Earth has to offer. For those of you who are joining us now for the first time, welcome. Let me give you a brief introduction into what we do, how we do it, and how you can do it too. EarthChain is a grassroots project aiming to utilize the power of blockchain technology to help save the planet. The way we do this is by floating our native token, Earth, on the Binance Smart Chain, allowing investors to capitalize on minimal fees and quick, reliable transactions. Not to mention, this also allows more investors than ever to participate, lowering the threshold and giving power to the independent trader. The way this process helps the environment is by setting aside 1.5% of every transaction into a charity wallet, and once a month, the community gets together and holds a democratic vote on where the relief funds should be allocated. Our focus is on the conservation and protection of Earth and the life she inhabits, meaning every time you buy Earth, the Earth itself benefits. This week in Earth Chain News, we've seen the qualitative type of growth I've been hoping for. We've gained some great members since last episode, some of which actually due to the last episode, which is fantastic. Some good feedback in that last week as well, so thanks for that. No doubt Google tuned into our last episode with the unveiling of a carbon neutral since 2007 footer on their homepage, suspiciously soon after we weighed in. Of course, this is due to recent pressure and societal trends. Many other companies caught on and did the same thing. Well, the ones that could at least. As well as Google, we also seem to have Anonymous among us, as their video released this weekend posed a seeming threat to Elon Musk, correctly calling him out on many of his shady dealings and dark origins. No response has been offered as of time of writing, but no doubt a conflict to follow. Musk will of course lose lots of credibility now, and almost did us a favour, if anything, and shone a light on it. The public reaction seems to be very abrasive towards him, and rightfully so. It seems he's no longer a fat, unlike Dua Lipa or Dairy Intolerance. Binance's CEO even warned retail investors that investing based off of Elon's tweets would not make you money. seeing criticism of their god, MuskBot5000, for the first time is a troubling process. If you're being affected by these events and need someone to talk to, 
please call 66666-833-6634-337777. an older mobile phone joke there. And if you didn't get it, you're probably the ones that we're laughing at. In other news, our team has been hard at work this week, leading us down the roadmap bit by bit. With important meetings coming up with an international conservation charity, another partnership could be on the cards, continuing the momentum we've built thus far. The best news of the week, though, has got to be the copycat token that emerged. With a complete rip of almost every aspect of us, it flopped in the early stages after having paid for a thousand upvotes on each post. But hey, if they're trying to be you, you must be doing something right. Uh, bring it on, lads. You're all, all you're going to do is drum up interest in us, so uh, thanks. Rest assured, the team are busy working on the next stages, and we should have some news soon with how efficiently this token is emerging onto the newest and fastest growing industry on the planet right now. And if you'd like to know more, visit the website, earthchain.finance. We're also on Twitter, and the handle being earthchainf. Now, when I just said the fastest growing industry, I of course refer to crypto as a whole, but it's specifically the DeFi space within crypto that we'll be taking a look at today. So let's get stuck in. The recent boom in cryptos has been extraordinary, especially in the DeFi space. Last year, there was around $1 billion locked in DeFi, and now that figure sits at around 64 billion, and we're still in the very early stages of this industry in the realm of blockchain technology as a whole. Incidentally, there is now more value to the biggest crypto exchange compared to the biggest real-world exchange, ICE, or the Intercontinental Exchange. One thing I hear floating around a lot is, I wish I'd been invested in crypto 10 years ago. Well, yeah, so do I. But you'll be saying the same about now in 10 years' time. Unless you do something about it. So instead of rotting for the past, try planning for the future. This is as young as the industry will ever be, and good on you for being here at this juncture. The independent trader has more power than ever. In recent times, we've seen the traditional way investors are created completely flip on its head with the surge of DeFi and what the space allows users to do. CCEs, or Centralized Crypto Exchanges, are trading platforms that operate much like traditional stock market or brokerage systems. A CCE is owned and operated by an overseeing company that has complete oversight of all transactions. Users seem to be jumping over to the DeFi exchanges in record numbers. One of the main reasons would be, all of the user's trust needs to be put into the hands of this one firm. The users of these services don't have access to the private keys of their own account's wallets, and this, for a lot of people, is a big turnoff, especially with DeFi options readily available and more popular than ever. One of the many benefits of operating a DeFi portfolio 
is the exclusive availability of Automated Market Maker, or AMM, protocols. These protocols rely on mathematical formulas and self-referential algorithms to price an asset, as opposed to traditional order book systems, but we'll touch on those a little bit later. AMMs allow digitized assets to be traded fully automatically without the need for human oversight by using liquidity pools. Of course, as this process is completely automated, the accessibility becomes vast to the independent trader. And this is the very vision of crypto itself. Currently unique to Ethereum and DeFi space, it's in its infancy. AMM protocols utilize smart contracts called converters that when event triggered, will exchange asset X for asset Y for a preset price based off the reserve ratio of X over Y. The first, and one of the most used AMMs available, is the Bancor protocol, which again we will come back to a little bit later. AMM has two players, the trader and the liquidity provider. The LP will first flow a certain amount of tokens into the pool to provide transaction liquidity, whilst earning fees paid by traders. On the whole, the AMM agreement will allocate its own governance tokens and distribute them to LPs as rewards for engaging with the community. So what about AMMs versus order books? One of the biggest complaints heard around the use of order books is that they lay the foundations for market manipulation, which ties in perfectly to why the majority of people have made the change to DeFi in the first place in an attempt to cut out the middleman and avoid this very side of the industry, often filled with artifice. The way this works is speculators and advisors use the clues in the order book. If a book hits a buy or a sell wall, then it would indicate that traders are looking to buy or sell respectively, and therefore preemptive actions can be made and strategies accounted for. AMMs don't have this problem, of course, as everything is automated, including the price being determined by a preset algorithm. One of the biggest differentiations between the two is the liquidity of a market. If a market is illiquid, order books cease to operate properly. You can still place a request via the order book, but you may have trouble finding a buyer or a seller, especially at the time that you're looking for. Essentially, this adds an unnecessary gambling aspect to the process. Liquidity in AMM terms often features as a primary advantage. There will always be liquidity in otherwise illiquid markets, at least while enough people are investing in a liquidity pool, making it much more accessible and reliable overall. All the protocols available have their own pros and cons. There's the classic Uniswap CPMM or Constant Product Market Maker, arguably the most popular protocol. A CPMM runs a very a simplistic classical function, x times y equals c, where x and y are the reserves of a selected asset in a pool, and c is the constant value. The function calculates the price of asset x using a juxtaposition of balance. If the supply of asset x increases, then the supply of asset y would automatically be decreased to ensure that c remains a constant very efficient and easy to understand, however is subject to high volatility and it does suffer from a non-adjustable price, which can be a hindrance. A variation to the CPMM is the CSMM, or the constant sum market maker, which is as simple as x plus y equals c, and simply represents the sum of two variables, with c being constant again, 
This method is not thought to be as profitable, as it cannot provide infinite liquidity, and the situation of a reserve pool being emptied would be inevitable given enough uses. There's the Hybrid Constant Function Market Maker, or HCFMM. I know, I know, right? Top tier acronym usage there. Uh, the people who name this must be the kind of people who would name their kid Peter if their last name was File. Anyway, the, the Peter File protocol sets out to avoid the issues laid out by the two previous examples. Stable Curve Phi have combined the two protocols resulting in this beautiful looking function. A n to the n, sigma x base i plus d equals a d n to the n, d to the n plus 1 over n to the power of n, pi x base i. Okay, so it's a beautiful looking function to me, it's more of a horrendous sounding function to you, but, but nonetheless. In this, n is the quantity of an asset, d is the invariant of the reserves value, x is the asset reserve, a is the amplification coefficient, while x is inexhaustible. In this example, a is an adjustable constant, which influences the price range of an asset. Therefore, the A indicator grows along with the volatility of an asset. It is a fascinating function, and in all honesty, if you're in a Ramanujan is interested, then check it out yourself. There is also the constant mean market maker, or CMMM. The main USP of the CMMM is the ability to provide several assets to a singular pool. This AMM protocol relies on a constant average of each asset involved. The equation for LP with just three assets would look like this. X times Y times Z, raised to the power of a third, equals C. Now of course in this example, X, Y, and Z are all chosen assets, and C is once again the constant product of them. This approach was initially used by the balancer protocol, and is hit the ground running, due to the ability to trade with multiple tokens at once, and again, all without a middleman. So what about AMM going forward? The world of DeFi has blown up in recent times, and will only continue to do so. The AMM model has experienced a huge awakening through its four or so years in the crypto space due to the surge of independent traders and pricing mechanisms creation. One of the important concerns regarding previous version is that the quantity LPs get should always remain enriched enough in order to incentivize them to stay in or supply even more liquidity. Ergo, one of the notable updates was switching from total protocol governance in Uniswap v1 to welcoming the ability of adapting and establishing transaction fees to protocol users via Balancer. The interest in crypto investment grows exponentially, and as a result, we should all expect alternative platforms allowing derivatives for crypto. Moreover, growing usage and participation in AMM-based protocols increased scientific interest in this topic and led to a number of research projects and a vast set of new possibilities described. Let's hope they make their progress in their work to salvage their reputation. I've personally not trusted scientists since their cock-up on Jurassic Park. I will say at this point, if you've not heard me before, um, I don't think that. I think the opposite of that.
So let me tell you something. Yesterday morning, about 10 o'clock, these, uh, these two guys, as a joke, posted some false information on a website about this tiny startup company, and its stock started shooting up. By 2.30 in the afternoon, the hoax had been uncovered, and the stock had adjusted itself. But by the end of the day, this company, which neither you nor I nor the Secretary of Commerce had ever heard of, closed out as the 12th highest traded issue on the NASDAQ index. This just in. The internet is not a fad. Thank you, sir. Hey, thank you all. Fictional former Vice President John Hoynes there from Aaron Sorkin's West Wing, predicting the Reddit GME, AMC, and Doge push of this year. The impressive thing for me is that that episode aired in 1999, and is accurate to a scarily precise degree. The brilliant series also goes on to predict a breakthrough for women in the Supreme Court, and well with the evocation straight from the Necronomicon summoning Amy Conan Barrett in recent times, the bench now does have a one-third female representation, which is the highest in history. Hmm, there might be something in this, let's see. The show also predicted a person of colour becoming president, nominating a Hispanic Supreme Court justice, the government shutting down due to budget problems, and the existence of a secret military space shuttle, with the Americans revealing the existence of the experimental unmanned X-37B shuttle returning to Earth having orbited it for almost two years. The mission? Classified, of course. However, I'm completely sure, unrelated to this, the geomorphological knowledge of North Korea has suddenly come on leaps and bounds. So it looks like Aaron Sorkin is a genius, or maybe I'm just an obsessed fan. Let's hope that the other predictions of lasting peace between Israel and Palestine, and a collective people who put saving the planet above personal profit also materialise. Who knows, maybe we'll even see Sam Seaborn as president one day. I know what you're thinking. Wow, I've learned so much and we'll definitely come back for episode 3. But why are you talking about West Wing and AMM protocols, you mentalist? And I'm afraid I can only answer half of that question. The point I'm trying to make is that a collective working together can achieve things previously thought impossible, whilst showing you the usability of DeFi. If I told you in the 90s the sentence, unplug your cigarette, I need to charge my book, would be legitimate, you'd respond by telling me I was mad. And look where we are now, so I don't rule anything out in the near future. We can still reverse the environmental damage we've done if only for the simple fact that we prioritise our home more than our pockets. That's all it would take. Well, you'd either respond like that, or fully encapsulate the youth zeitgeist of the era and respond with meh. But the point holds. If we put the environment as top priority, it would be sorted. So getting it to top priority is our new top priority. And the best way to do that is to make it such an overwhelming demand that governments and companies are forced to respond. The more people who get on board, the faster we will get there. Partly why companies such as EarthChain are in such good stead for the future of this neonatal stage industry. Some people just don't care enough. Some people would fly to the shops if they could, wouldn't they? I mean, let's be honest. Getting more people to adopt the right approach with utmost priority will change the tide of proceedings. People like Greta Thunberg have done good things for the movement, but obviously there are many more qualified people who should be heeded above her. The attitude against her is funny more than anything. I saw a tweet that said, not even being provocative, but if you think Greta Thunberg has the maturity to guide global policy making, then you cannot objectify it to Jeffrey Epstein paying 16 year olds for sex. Now that translates to me as, well if you're so smart, why can't I have sex with you? And I've got to say, this screams the kind of guy who absolutely has an international survey of age of consent laws in hard copy on his desk. Yeah, I mean, even Lewis Dunk is like, come on, mate. It's not the only stupidity that seems to be rife in our current society. 
bananas coming in single-use plastic. I mean, I mean, that's dumb. A banana has the pinnacle of 10,000 years evolution within its DNA, a blueprint for the ideal protective case. It's one of the things that has absolutely 100% been sorted out for us by nature already. This is a waste for the sake of waste. But things like this are so ridiculous, I do feel they'll be eradicated soon. Small steps is how we get them, but it is frustrating in the meantime. Some of the things that we can easily change in the near future include beef. The US accounts for 4% of the world's population, but contributes 26% of global emissions. And that simply is not good enough. A massive portion of this comes from the beef they produce, from farm to plate. Lab-grown beef has minuscule emissions compared to traditional beef, and studies have shown that people struggle to tell the difference when administered in a double-blind environment. This will only become more widely adopted with time. Now when Americans aren't setting fire to fridges in the garden, they're driving, accounting for a never large portion of their annual greenhouse gas total. This is of course due to a near complete absence of public transport networks, something that will again simply improve with time, with new rail projects planned all over the country, and infrastructure improvements to go alongside. There are also promising things within the logging industry. A consortium of self-made millionaires have started buying plots of land in heavily felled areas from companies who own them and are dedicating them untouched in the name of conservation. But the logging industry has seen some good breakthroughs in recent years, with more restrictions and better employment benefits for loggers on the other side, as that's something that undoubtedly can't be disregarded. We still cut down around 10 billion more trees a year than we plant, but many active organisations worldwide are turning the tide and once again this will be an issue that is on the up on many fronts although not all of them. If I asked you if you thought, were there more stars in our galaxy or trees on the planet Earth? What would you say? Well, surprising to me when I found out, but it is trees, and by quite some distance too. There's 400 billion stars in the Milky Way and three trillion trees on our one planet. It's a beautiful fact. A study by Professor Tim Crowther and his team at Zurich University concluded that 11% of all land on Earth could be allocated in a massive global project to plant over 1 trillion trees, accounting for urban areas, farmland and of course pre-existing areas and developments already in the pipeline. trillion extra trees would have a substantial effect on global CO2 levels and is within our grasp. The 11% would be shared by almost every country on earth with achievable and obtainable projections both financially and logistically. A proposal I'll be following with a keen eye. Be sure you'll hear more about it one day hopefully soon and hopefully with good news. That I guess brings us to the end of this week's episode. Uh, some absolute nonsense from me there. And if you want more inane natter in your life, join us again next Monday or Tuesday. Uh, Cole Pilkington-esque in places, uh, but dotted around with things that we've now learned. So who really wasted 20 minutes? Wait, what? Remember to check out the website, earthchain.finance. And of course, the other socials, uh, at earthchainf on the Twitter. Likewise, the subreddit. Uh, Discord also coming very soon, guys. Until next time, I've been your host, Jacob Sanders. Goodbye.